In this episode, we have with us a man who shares how he gradually became an alcoholic and went through some suicidal attempts, even while making people laugh as a street artist, to becoming a master of breathwork and meditation and traveling the world teaching these tools. Greg Mannion shared with us how guilt and shame are two huge things in recovering from addictions, how most people think they only have a physical illness and not a mental illness when dealing with addictions, what can help to start the healing process, and we even get into some deep spiritual conversations. Are you ready? Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. Today we have with us a great master of breath work and meditation, founder of Infinite Breath, who went through a great transformation from being a street artist on Las Ramblas in Barcelona, Spain, with alcohol addiction problems, and as he says, with his butt in the air, until actually, but let's have him tell you the story. So let's welcome Greg Mannion. How are you, Greg? <laughs> Hello, I'm good. I'm full of energy. <laughs> I was tired this morning, but here I am full of energy. And we're speaking in English and I'm so thankful for that. I can't <laughs> yeah. speak in Spanish, but yeah. I was, I was setting up Greg for a challenge to do it in Spanish, uh, but we'll do it next time. Next interview will be in Spanish. Sí, claro. Tengo que practicar. <laughs> All the Spanish speakers are waiting for you, so get ready. Okay, okay. (laughs) But actually, we were actually chatting a few days before this interview, and we both have a huge interest for what does it mean transformation in someone and what are the challenges that people face to do a transformation, to do a change. And I think Greg has gone through a whole bunch of things. So can you tell us a little bit about your story, how how you started this transformation of yours? Yeah, I don't know where to start, but maybe let's just go to um, the middle of my life and what you just mentioned, like the street performance and that kind of crazy life I was in. Because another thing as well, so now that I do breath work and meditation, and it's not like I'm the type of guy that does it every single day and I'm very strict, but I definitely love it. I love the energy of breath work and it seems to suit me a lot. But when I get asked these questions, because it's been basically eight, eight and a half years almost, or eight years sober, and that was the main transform transformation really for me. Um, and now I feel comfortable in doing what I'm doing. But let's go back to the point where I was on, yeah, the Ramblas in Barcelona. I've lived there now, although we're doing this video and it's 18 months into um, into the COVID situation, so everyone's life has changed. I'm currently in Bali. I was in Thailand for pretty much the whole year of um, COVID. Before that, I was traveling around the world. I've been to four or five countries. And luckily, I landed in, in Thailand just before COVID, and I knew people there, so I worked there. But anyway, let's go back. I live in Spain 15 years, and... I maybe about, let's see. So I was drinking pretty heavily when I arrived, not as much as I'd like to admit, but I was. And that led me into various jobs. Um, and then I found myself basically doing a performance job on the Ramblas in Spain, which is performance is a strange word because a part of me really feels it's not 
No, there isn't any shame, actually. There was at the time. Guilt and shame are two huge things if you have any addictions or problems and you have to get rid of that. But I was I found myself sitting on a toilet on the Ramblas, the busiest street in Barcelona, one of Europe's busiest streets, but like really looking good. It sounds like a strange sentence, but performing <laughs> yeah. with all in white. I know, sitting on a toilet at the Ramblas and people yeah. are like, wow. But there was something to it. It looked great. It was someone else's idea. And I have always been into acting, performance, music, very talkative, but I genuinely love to play and to perform. So I was kind of chosen, if you like, for this. And I was drinking at the time pretty heavily, but yeah, I was I was, I was okay. Um, and I got into this and I did it for three years. And essentially you're sitting on the toilet, uh, on the ramp, that's a big white box, all painted white, white system, reading the newspaper with whoopee cushions under your arm. People don't know that. And you basically, you've got um, kind of like a G-string or something on underneath, but it looks like you're naked as well. Great idea. So it's a statue. Street performance statue. Um, but what happened was I was there doing that and I did it for three years when it should have been something you would do for a few months, you know, but because wow. I was really, yeah, three years. And it's not every day, but let's say a few days a week in the cold as well. Barcelona is not always hot, man. No. In, the, in August, it's too hot. But in January, February, it's no joke. But one of the lucky things about being an alcoholic, which I am, I was, whatever you want to call it, um, I could drink vodka with coffee and that would keep me warm. I didn't know the breathing then because that would have helped. But anyway, I did it all year round, but I did it for three years. And it could have been a few months and or, or enjoyable. But um, I spent a long time there mainly because I was just in this phase of life without realizing it really like all these things. But I was just coasting, coasting without knowing what I was doing, where I was going which I'm I'm fine with in a way, but when you mix that with a, with an addiction, a heavy one, which I had, didn't realize how serious it was. Um, I was just coasting, just doing the same old thing all the time. Luckily, I was making people laugh and it was enjoyable, but at the same time underneath, when you're doing something like that and you are in the throes of an addiction, you're essentially, you it's soul destroying. When I look back at it, and I knew inside, I was earning enough money, to be honest, quite reasonable money for what it was, because it was a good idea and I did it well. And there was moments of enjoyment and I like street life. I've got to admit, I do like that performance side of things, but I knew I could do more. That sounds strange, but like with music and movement and performance, when essentially I was sitting still and playing with my face, playing with two or 300 people in the crowd, but not much. And and I knew inside I was killing myself. So it was really soul destroying. So the drink was just there and it was every single day, maybe a few days a year I didn't drink, but that, that was it. And then I had terrible shakes. If I lasted a week, it was, it was a miracle. Um, but I was drinking all the time, enough to survive. That lasted three years. Now, towards the end of that period, um, there was, there was you had to get like the license to stay on the streets in Barcelona. And we didn't get it, even though everyone knew us. I was in magazines. It was famous all around Barcelona and the world in a kind of strange way. But like, it didn't, I know, because no one really knows who you are. You're just the guy with the white face. But like, um, it was famous, but we didn't get the license. Now, that was the point when, again, you, these things happen to you in life. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what the reaction is inside and why you feel this way. But it, we didn't get the license. I knew I wasn't going to stay there. I was kind of with um, a girlfriend at the time, but I kind of wasn't as well because well, I was totally disjointed. I was looking after a flat in the center of Barcelona for old friends of mine. I was keeping it just about together, just about. But no one knew that I was drinking like 8 o'clock in the morning when I was shaking. 
And when I lost the fact that I knew I couldn't stay there anymore, you go to the lowest part of yourself. I tried to kill myself. I didn't want to wake up one day, so I took a load of pills. Didn't work. A friend of mine mm. said, "What? I take them to fall asleep?" And I go, "I was trying to kill myself." Bit dramatic. Then I tried to slice my wrist because I didn't know what to do. And it sounds dramatic, and it kind of was, but I say it very easily now because I don't feel like that. But a lot of people who are in the throes of an addiction that as severe as I was or alcoholism, they will tell you they've either thought about it or tried it. And I went to eventually to AA 12 step program. And it was almost like a comedy. We'd talk about these things afterwards because everyone thinks about it because you're so low. But I don't even know why. I don't know why. I just wanted to escape. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't want to stay on the street. But then because we didn't get the license, something was like, who am I? What am I going to do? There wasn't one moment. It was just this general, like, whoo, low. And if you know me, it's not me. I mean, I'd like drink and I'd be like, okay. And it's just the weirdest time. So anyway, didn't happen. Uh, we left the street or I left the street. Um, I spent a year working on the beach, selling tickets for clubs. I hated getting really drunk. And then luckily, after many people telling me, myself telling me, and trying a little bit, I went to the 12 step, which is basically AA for me, um, through a friend of mine who introduced me. We looked at it, I stopped, I started, couldn't quite get it. Um, and it took a long time because people always say, wow, you stopped and that's really good. But it took me minimum of a, of a year, maybe longer to really try that and go in there and go in there drunk sometimes. It wasn't a pain, but I was occasionally drunk and that is, that is okay, actually, you can do that and sober and trying it but i didn't do the steps and the steps is the 12 steps where you're going through you're looking at your behaviors uh, and it's suggestions it's, if anyone tells you to do 12 steps say no it should be suggestions i was ready it was 37 um, and luckily i saw someone in there i was told a million times get a sponsor do the steps but of course you know better and i didn't do it and even now i have friends who i see and people come to me and i'm like go there, try this, do that. And they don't. And I'm like, ah, oh. but I didn't for a while. Eventually I did started the 12 steps. And then, um, and that was the life changing thing in the sense that I didn't come out and go, my God, I'm this new, wonderful person. I just went back to being me, but it took about three, four, five, six months. Then maybe a year before I was pretty, I was pretty good, confident back again, went back into doing some acting classes um there's far more to it but uh, maybe we can go into the different stages but that's that was the point that changed everything when uh, actually step one is very important and what i said so step one is you have to admit that your life has become unmanageable and you have an illness which is a physical and mental illness but you've got to really say that and mean it not many people want to say that and not many people want to sit in those strange rooms with strange light and talking about the motion without drinking. Yeah, it's really fucking weird at the beginning, you know. Um, but luckily, I found a few good people. And like I say, I've been there a while. And when I shook the hand of my sponsor, someone who just takes you through the steps, it took me a year. I did it slowly because I wanted to do it properly. He suggests I don't have to do anything. It's got to be me. Um, that my life would become unmanageable. Genuinely, you got to feel that and think that. It took me a week to admit it because uh, it was. And um, the, yeah, I had a physical and mental illness. I thought it was physical, like most people do. 
I stop the drink, I'll be fine. Is it? You need it. The brain is telling you you've got to have it. And the more I've studied into the brain, the science of the brain, which I've always been interested in, I know what it is now. And I know I have plenty of little addictions and I don't mind because I'm aware of it. Um, but I admitted that and that, that that was the changing point. And I, to be honest, that it was like a weight off. I was like, oh God, thank God. When you admit something is when you start to change it. Um, and yeah, it's about... I almost forget, but that is the turning point for me, which then leads me into the all these other different processes of uh, life and then doing the things I'm doing now. You mentioned that you didn't know why you started drinking. It's like anyone you can ask any, ask any alcoholic, and I, you can call me alcoholic or recovered alcoholic. I use whatever. I call but, you Greg, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. Um, because... It's not, what is the point I was like, okay, the funny thing is when you start the process, you have to look at your behaviors. So going back to about 18, 17, 18, 19 years old, I worked in a bar. It was enjoyable. I liked it. But looking back at how, this is beautiful water, but in Liverpool, we would drink Guinness and it's great. It's really nice. I don't actually have that much against alcohol um, until it gets severe for people. But I would notice how I would use it like a panacea, like an injection at the end of night when we finish work and the same as smoking weed. Again, I quite like those things. But when you dive in too much, what is it you're hiding from? So 1819 was when I looked back and I noticed the tendency to kill the pain quickly. And it wasn't like I was in a bad state and I wasn't an alcoholic, you could say, until 30, maybe early 30s. And it happens before you know it. A few, like a relationship had ended. That's why I'd moved to Spain. We were together there, but she commented on my drinking. So it was something I always did every day, but it wasn't something I did in the morning. And I survived and I was okay. And I was quite all right. But people, other people noticed your energy. Mid thirties was boom. Definitely I was, I was an alcoholic without realizing, but I did go back and look at my behaviors. It was like what I know now, which is escaping the present moment completely. Shum. And I don't, again, I don't disagree with it. I really don't. It depends how severely you go into it. So everyone else would have one pint of Guinness in, in that bar. I would work and I'd have two to calm down. Then you go back to work and then I could drink three, four, but just be like this. But I would notice I would like take these things to go very, very quickly. And it's exactly the same as some kind of injection. I judged like people on heroin for years, but I went out with someone who was a heroin addict in the past. It's the same principle. It sounds so severe and serious, but it's it's not opiates. It's just another way of killing whatever anxiety or perceived pain you have. And I think it's often perceived. It's not like we make it real with this, but and now I know we can change the pattern. Quite, I would say easily, yeah, because it is easy, but also it isn't if you believe it's not, you know? I think that's an important point to see that, uh, you know, an addiction is not a sudden event. It's actually mm -hmm. a progression. It's a process, a process yeah. of getting useful, using something to overcome something. And like you say, it's it's for some people, it, it can be like all of these things, like having a, a glass of wine, maybe totally innocent or maybe part of a, a ritual or habit of someone that is addicted to that. And it can happen yeah. with anything. You can be addicted to cookies. You know, just some some addictions are more destructive than other addictions. And yeah. I, I know, like, I think it's Tim Ferriss that says sometimes to get off something for a month or for a day or for a week. And then you can really test. Actually, Darren Hardy says this to get off something for a week or a month. Then you can test your own addictions, you know, and see, am I addicted yeah. to the phone? Am I addicted to coffee? Am I addicted to alcohol? Am I addicted? If you want it and you need it desperately, then there's something that you need to maybe check or 
look yeah. at? To look at in the sense that like, why am I doing it? But I understand as well, it's the chemical reaction, that dopamine hit looking at the phone. I was doing it with something yesterday and I looked at the one thing I was looking at like 40 or 50 times in a day. I'm like, whoa. What we, and it, I can't change the thing I was looking at, but it's, and I was like, what the hell? I, but I don't want to feel bad about it, but it's true. Those little things and the dopamine hit, it's right, it's good, it's bad. And all these external forces are controlling what we're thinking about. But it's more interesting is what's behind it. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that? Why are we doing that? But then the other little point that I think is really important is, and I see it in a lot of people, and especially when you go into the rooms at first, guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. You've got to get rid of that shit, man. You've got to get rid of it. And it, everyone has it. But again, I call it like percentages with all these things. I do not walk around going, yes, I'm great and fine. No, every day changes. Like today I was in a pretty frustrated mood and I did some breathing and I feel 10 times better. But it's the percentages of these things, I think. I think also when you have a trauma, guilt and shame also play a big role in how fast you recover from it. Because if you have big shame or guilt, you're not going to tell anyone and you're going to keep it for yourself. Then it's harder to recover from a trauma if you are hiding it. And the same with addictions. They're all tied in. And this is where my interest comes in. You mentioned something I don't believe. There wasn't one specific point. I mean, my mom died when I was very young, when I was nine. And traumas or rather, let's say, repressed emotions and things like that. And when you take something, you can release a little bit easier. But it's Gabor Mate that um, he's a Canadian, um, I don't know what you'd call him, a doctor. And he's has a clinic in Canada and for many years he still does it. He does lots of talks now and he writes a book. I, I really, really like him. But all the people who are addictive, had heavily addicted on various drugs or whatever, and still are, some of them recovered, some of them haven't. It's all to do with trauma, childhood trauma, pretty much. Um, now the work can seem a bit big. It doesn't always have to be something so severe, but over my life, I, I listen to people quite a lot and people have told me things and I'm like, oh my God, it, it really comes out when people feel they can express. But if you're hiding that for whatever reason, or you're just hiding your emotions, it doesn't have to be something quite severe. Then you're always holding something in. You feel like you can't express. You feel if you do, it's going to be your fault. And I truly believe it's like parents and peer groups, but it's not necessarily their fault either. Either, you know, we can mm-hmm. sit and blame quite easily, but um, it, it with me, yeah, there's different things that we hold in emotions in life, but um, definitely nowhere near as, as severe as many, many people have, uh, have listened to in their stories. But you have to have a way. This is my point, I think, uh, the main point about what even I'm doing now. You have to have a way to express yourself. Every time I do bits of writing, it's always express, express and connect. If we sit in our rooms and we're doing these things like me, I'm in Bali right now and it's beautiful, but if I stay in too long, I can't. I've got to go out and connect and do something. Now, these phones are great, but they're also a curse. But if we get connection and ability to express ourselves, that's where, for me, those weird little rooms in the 12-step program really work. They do not work for everyone, and I get that. And the longer I'm away from it, I get that as well. But I still appreciate it because you have to knock down the ego. You have to connect and express. And I think most people, most of the day, are walking around going, I, me, me, I, it's ego, 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 and this is how we live. And there's very little point where you actually genuinely listen to someone else. I'm a real talker, but I listen to other people. And same with those rooms, you have to shut up and listen. And then when you speak, you'll be surprised because all of a sudden just something will come out. And then you're like, why don't I feel like drinking now? What is it? What's to me, it's connection. It's connection, having the connection. And the opposite of addiction is connection. I repeat that a lot because I believe it. What do you think would have made it faster for you? 
Uh, not that it have to, that that was your process. But if you have someone that is not wanting to, you know, to go there, what do you think would have helped you? I don't know. You know, you mentioned the right time and stuff because it just happened that a few people and a friend who was the same as me and got me in there. But it's definitely having someone you can relate to or talk to, but that's easier said than done because even if, if other people are around and they genuinely want to help or can help, without like doing too much that's not the best it's got to be the person who's ready to like actually express actually do things i know quite a lot of people now who come to me or just ask me questions and i try and respond and say stuff but i don't do too much i let them wait for the point and decide and my own experience is through yeah the 12 spec steps in aa but there's plenty of other ways we've mentioned it when we were talking prior to this about like somatic work and working on the body and going into trauma but i believe i don't know but I believe you're going to probably get that with group work and stuff, but maybe one-on-one -on -one is important. And is that person really knowing your, your addiction? I don't know because it's what's behind the addiction. All I can say is for me, it was the right time. 37, I'd done pretty much everything you can imagine in life. I didn't need to go out anymore. My friend was a lot younger than me. I always felt bad for him. He was in his mid-20s and he had to try and stop. Didn't need to go out to all the clubs. If I did, I could go and enjoy it and stay up all night or leave when I thought it was crap. It, um, so I'd kind of got to the right point. And for me, the group thing really, really worked. Um, so it, it's hard to say, but you've got to be able to express ooh, or understand that people will listen. People will listen. I was speaking to someone today, I did a session with him, and he's talking about his energy. We did a session last week, just the, the breathing and how your whole physiology changes and his reactions to other people because he was more relaxed this week because he doesn't do any breath work and then when people do breath work for the first time there's quite a change um was yeah it was it's a lot calmer it was not more relaxed i didn't um you know didn't have so many problems or i breathed before the problems whereas before because of his reaction people would react to him the same way and it's exactly the same with me with drinking before when i was drinking i was like where's why is everyone arguing with me what's and then when i stopped i was like everyone's so nice because <laughs> i was my energy was totally different you know yeah but it, it, if we can put ourselves a little bit just a little bit in the state that someone will help and listen then great and don't expect everyone to know the answers and don't expect everyone to be like oh we'll do this and that for you you've got to take a lot of knocks um, but yes, people will listen. But for me, some kind of 12-step program is the first step because other people will know what it's like. That's all it takes. It's the first step. And then maybe you'll go somewhere else. Maybe you won't be into it because in, in the 12-step, you don't always talk about the trauma. And we mentioned this as well before. It's more about surviving and living, saying you've got an illness and dealing with that. Now, I agree with that. But after a year, I didn't need to say it every day because I don't have an illness right now um in that sense so i don't necessarily agree and constantly saying i'm ill and repeating the same thing but i can never ever ever turn my back on it or go against it because i just don't feel it i feel that the door is open you go in there and see where that leads you you might meet some people that will totally surprise you but you've got to drop the ego and uh, it's the ego that uh, keeps us in the position of that i think I can't express, I can't say it, I don't want to, you know. But that brings me then to the breath work and that's, I think, that's why it hit me and I feel like I can do it very, very well because I come at it with energy and kind of weirdness and just being totally me and music. But because underneath it, it's about connection. Either connection to yourself, other people, group work, blah, blah, blah. And that makes a big, big difference. So before we get into more about your breath work, understanding a little bit better your your mental process in the AA 
program. Mm -hmm. You said it, it took you a few months to really yeah. start doing it. But could you tell like what was changing in your thought process that helped you keep on going? Let's go back to, let's say, mid-30s. People would mention it to me. And I would knew it was a problem when I was waking up in the morning. But in Spain, you can kind of get away with it, walk around the corner and drink two bottles of, big bottles of beer to stop shaking. And it was just became normal. It was embarrassing, but normal. And it was chubby and sweaty. I wasn't, it wasn't like terrible, terrible, terrible. I was doing more damage to me. But I knew it was a problem. Then let's say the first time it was someone else who had the same problem as me, a friend of mine, Ben, and him and his dad were in the program. And he asked me to go along one day because he could see how serious it was for me. So I did. And I, um, I actually had more respect for it than I thought I would. I didn't say much. It looked mildly strange, you could say, because it's a quiet room. People are talking about their emotions. They're not drinking. And there's a lot going on in there. And if you don't know it, it's, it's quite a big scene. So... That day, was, I was third, 35, 36, it took me a year and a bit before popping in, popping in. So you're looking, you're having a little look behind the curtain. Is this for me? It's not for many people, and it wasn't for me. And I look again, because you're basically saying, am I one of them? Yeah. And your brain says, no, no, no way. Okay. You're yeah. not like that. It's fine. Just go and have a drink. So you go and have a drink and you'd be fine. And then two days later, something terrible would happen. You'd fuck something right up. You'd lose another job. You'd piss people off. I was lucky. I was like close, but I never went apart from to myself, you know. Anyway, it was about a year. The thought process was I knew it was a problem. I knew that maybe they could help. But it really goes back to how severe is it? So I would stop several times in that year. My longest was four months. Working for my friend, doing some painting, didn't do the steps. Working for, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm looking at it, I'm sober. And the brain was telling me I was okay. One day, one day, I'd had, I'd had a drink with a friend. Uh, and it will happen, and people don't realize how severe it is. I had two beers, I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need any more. That was lovely, thank you, goodbye. Two days later, I think I had another two beers. This is fine. I'm, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Three days later, I meet someone I hadn't met in a while. Um, and we started off with a beer or two. And literally within three or four hours, it was like two bottles of wine, 10 beers, maybe even more. There was more wine. It was all gone like that. And I was right back in. I mean, I was, it took me four months to come out again. I lost, nearly lost the job, but luckily the guy knew me. I'd wake up in the morning trying to stop drinking and going to work. And I had to drink and he knew I was drinking and it's the thought process is you lie to yourself and lie to yourself and no one can see everything's fine but it took me after four months sober a slip four months to get out of it again and again i was in and out for a few weeks and all of a sudden surrender complete surrender message the guy do the steps 10 50 times people telling me you know and then eventually you pick up the phone i remember walking i remember the street i remember the day it was the 4th of february I mean, if you go back eight years, I'd just turned 37 two days prior and I had a couple of beers that two days before uh, to recover from taking drugs and drinking the night before. Had a pizza, didn't drink. Two days later, still shaking, sent the message to this guy, met him that night and it was so easy. As soon as you ask for help, that was the main thing I had to ask. I asked for help. He said, yes, of course. And he was Irish like me, but he, I knew he was kind of spiritual about being too spiritual and like, you know, sitting on a cloud, but also funny and just real and we got on very well still speak to this day um, and that was the point when I knew I'd asked for help I knew there was help there very 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 important there was a group there and there's millions of different I suppose people and groups and I can understand not getting into it but give it a go then give it a go again 
then give it a go again. Like for me, it took a year. And then when I decided the weight was lifted off my shoulder, didn't sleep for nights, I was writing, I was enjoying it, drinking a huge amount of chamomile tea. Luckily, I'd started smoking and it sounds weird, <laughs> but you need something to replace it. I was drinking mm. from morning till night. So I started smoking rollies and it actually helped. Other people told me, don't worry, smoke until you feel you don't need anything because the brain needs that. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I'd be drinking Coca-Cola. Luckily, I got off that quite quick, uh, but then turned into bottles of fizzy water instead of bottles of beer. You've got to replace. Uh, that was the thought process. It took a year. And then roughly things changed quick, man. Uh, I met a girl in there. We went out with each other for a year. Other people said you shouldn't do that, but we both liked each other. We fell in love. It was a good relationship for the time. Uh, it was early on in sobriety, maybe six months in for me, four months for her. But there was a huge difference. And one of the main days after six months of going and you, you go to AA and you're sitting at the back or occasionally you share. And then once in a while, someone goes to the front at the beginning and they've got to have a reasonable amount of sobriety. They share their story. So it's six months in. Uh, my girlfriend was actually doing the lead that night because everyone shares in there. I like that. And I told my story. Um, and I'm spot, I don't know if I was like this or like that, but people would say to me, Greg, do you see the difference from the day you walked in to right now? And I couldn't see it. It's like when you're drunk, you can't see it. And I couldn't, it's like, you say, Greg, there's a huge difference. And the beauty I get now is seeing other people do that from time to time, walk in, and just like, you're just like this, you know, hi, yeah, and you're kind of crying in one minute, you're kind of energetic the next, and you're like, literally like this. And then six months down the line, I suppose I was just back to being me. And I had a story to tell. Then that story does become powerful in what I'm doing now with the business and, and the breath work, but also by helping other people so much by seeing it's possible. I would wake up for years, years in the morning. And I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's in black. I can't. I need a drink. I need a drink. I need a drink. And then one day I went from I need a drink to I want to drink. I was like, okay, I want to drink, but I don't I don't need one. So that was a big change as well. But it's all about playing with that brain, taking a little bit of pain, um, going to those rooms for me or something. You've got to take a little bit of pain at first, but as soon as you make the decision, it's like the law of attraction, which is exactly what I'm doing with the breath work and meditation now. It works, man. Like right at the moment, I'm telling myself I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to keep saying it because I want to be, not because I want to take over the world or do anything, because I want to be financially abundant, not worry anymore. And I know that it's possible. If I work and I do like use my brain, why why not? It's just a trading tool. But that's an example of you really make the decision and, and you've got to put action there, but the mind will do the rest. It really will. Yeah. And I think it's important to hear these stories because like you said, they look into the room and they're like, I am not like them. You know, you feel like you are different and your story is different and everything is different. And when you have gone through a trauma or you're on addiction or you are in it, it's like a different you. Like you see yourself as one thing that is not what you're projecting. And you don't want to be that person either because that's not you because, you know, you but that you is so deep inside that you need to take it out. So when they hear stories that you can relate and say, oh, wow, that's what's happening to me every morning. I have this fogginess. I'm shaking. I need to drink. Uh, then is when you can start identifying, oh, well, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I should look into this. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so I think these stories are important to be told so that people can True. relate. And it's also it's funny because mine's alcohol, but it can be anything. It's actually yeah. just denial. 
denial exactly. or just winning your life in ego. There's so many people that are like, well, yeah, like business people, I'm going to pick on them because there's so many that I see that really go and go and do and have this addictive personality, workaholics, avoid an emotion, avoid an emotion and avoid an emotion, but they're perceived in society as being successful. I personally think it's bollocks and I don't want to cancel every business person because I don't know them and I'm getting into the business and not very good at it, but getting there. But I do see a lot of that in the sense of like push, 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 push. To me, behind it all is the ego, but behind the ego is your insecurity. What is behind the insecurity? Why do you feel that way? And again, I'm not walking around going, I've solved it all, I'm fine. But having an understanding of that, having the ability to be vulnerable. If you're vulnerable, you can, you've got to accept a few bits of crappiness of weird people, anyone, but then there'll be someone in the crowd that will look at you and they will help you, man. They really will. It always happens. I remember one of my girlfriends years ago, my first girlfriend in one day was in a flat and she just started telling me this thing and crying. And, now, and she, I could tell because I can smell a lie a million miles away and I can smell it when it's true. And she was totally and utterly vulnerable. And it made me fall in love with her on the spot because <laughs> you know, she, all that stuff just goes. And we don't do it. I'm sitting here, I'm talking away, but like maybe there'll be moments, but we don't really do it. We survive with, with our ego. But if you get to the vulnerability, if you someone is vulnerable in front of you, in theory, should change the entire energy. And that also brings me to the acting that I've dabbled in over the years and how the performance in acting is quite similar to what I'm doing now with the meditation. I keep I'm teaching people, I say, go to the emotion, go to the emotion. If someone in the room is speaking or I am speaking and I'm vulnerable, you can feel it. It's the same with a good actor on a stage. You will feel that. You feel the energy in the whole room. And I've had it in acting classes. It doesn't happen much. But when it does, everyone in the room will be like, because that, that, that's the key, man. That mm-hmm. is the thing. I don't give the rest of it, the million pounds or whatever. Bring it on. But doesn't there's those moments, those are the things that drive me. And I forget it many times when I'm like caught up in doing things and I can't be bothered doing a session or I can't be bothered listening to someone who's drunk and wants to like some help. And like, but if you can be, and you're vulnerable, and they are, then great. But the ego definitely gets in the way. What helped you go over the shame? Um, Let me think. Yeah, it's a good question because, look, on a serious note, you're sitting on that, like, toilet on the Ramblas and doing that thing. You've got to take a lot of crap. And I can, and I can kind of counteract it with comedy and stuff. I've done that all my life. And um, But you'd feel it, and suppose you're drinking away. The worst shame I would feel is when you stop drinking for that morning that day that two days that week maybe then the physical pain i see in other people they can't get out they can't face the world it's like so you've got to get over that by taking the physical pain and the shame i think and then it's a huge relief to again the steps are suggestions it's not your suggestions so there's one step eight and step nine where your list of resentments towards other people um, and then it's about changing your behaviors. You're not necessarily going to these people and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because that's also a bit too flippant sometimes. I'm sorry, but I'm going to continue to be a pain. It's changing your behavior and saying what you've done. So that takes away the shame. Over time, it took me about eight months to get there. I didn't do a lot. I know people have 200 people on the list. I didn't have a lot. I had to say one or two things to family and to friends. In any, not like, let's all sit down and be very serious. And it's not my style, but like bit by bit, I would have to say, look, you know what I did then? I've changed, man. I don't want you to feel like that. I, I don't want to do, you know, even now I think about it, it makes me feel I can very much talk about trying to kill myself is fine. But the way I must have made other people feel 
is no joke, you know, because uh, I've seen other things happen with other people since. And you don't know how much you're affecting other people, even if you moan about all your family or your life. And mine wasn't that bad at all. But you really, you've you've managed to upset a lot of people um, probably more than you think. But the point is, if you're honest and say, look, I've done this, I've done that, and I'm in the process of changing without saying sorry. It's a funny one, but just that should take it away. And being able to go to a room um, and just tell everyone, I did this, 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 and this. You wouldn't believe the stories. And going back to funny stuff, there's just so many funny things which were tragic at the time, but when they're explained by someone who feels better, it's comedy. You have to laugh at it. You have to, I think. Um, and well, maybe you know, not all of it is, but to express it, number one, to be able to express, having people to listen to that and being genuine if you're going to say it. That's why the process of steps, I think, is important. And I said it before, I should do them again really slowly but surely. And it doesn't mean you have to go to these people that you might have had resentments with. I actually do this in meditations now that I guide. I'm like, just see the person, feel them, and you don't have to speak. You just pass this energy to them, you pass it over, and you give it to them, and you connect. And it's usually someone in work that bothers you. Oh, family, just find a way to forgive and let go. And I repeat it a million times. So hopefully if I repeat it a million times, the 1%, I'll do it myself, you know? <laughs> um, so otherwise, yeah, people think, oh, you do all this, you do that. I'm doing it because I need to. It's like quickly going to when I started doing the breathing, the meditation, I had just two friends of mine in Poplar now in Barcelona at the beginning. First session, I knew I was going to do jumping around at the beginning and changed what I've been taught. I changed it completely. Um, but I was doing it for me. So if I walk up and I'm going to do this class, and I've got to say this, 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 all the science and the history, which I don't say anymore because I don't want to. Uh, and I'm standing there and I'm nervous. So I got them moving around and jumping around and it was for me. It's like the meditations are for me, man. And if you feel it as well, then great. Obviously, you're going towards someone. But I'm not pretending to be Bill. I'm, I'm helping Bill, but I'm seeing it from my eyesight. If I'm walking down the road in the tree, you've got to feel it yourself, which again goes back to the acting, man. It's funny how it ties in for me. But final point on the shame and the guilt is that you have to find a way to express. So many people don't express it and they stay in that. And then it causes more blame to other people. I believe that the one thing that helps a lot is having an empathetic witness. That's really helpful yeah. for any trauma, for anything. Someone who just listens and empathizes without judgment or without anything. And, and I think everybody that goes through something like that needs, needs one of those persons <laughs> really close. That's a very good word as well. You're an empathetic witness. I like you. Mm. Yeah, you do. And how you get that, I don't really have the answer to be honest um, it's finding the little nooks in the crannies maybe some one-on-one -on -one session maybe some group i believe in the group for, for all kinds there's groups for for many many different things and hopefully it's not too judgmental but yeah then someone who listens most people just want to be listened to man yeah and i think it's not training the people who have a problem to find the empathetic witness, but to train everybody to be one so that when you encounter a person like that, then you can be that empathetic witness. Very, very good. I might even use that word because it's really good because I'm doing the, or I've made the course for like people to be coaches, breath work and meditation. And you have to have some, some quite a lot of empathy. And then even if you don't feel it, push yourself to feel more. And that is it with the group because you've got to be able to let people express and listen. Mm -hmm. it's so true yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah how to do that isn't always easy but um 
I think it's something in, in, innate in all of us, but it's also something you have to train, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I mean, some people have it more natural, but I think it's, it's, it's trainable and I think it's just, we have to get it out. But I think when someone is deep into problems, you cannot be the empathetic witness normally, but it can also happen. Some people have the ability when they're really, really bad is when they best listen because they are there and they know exactly how it is. So it's different for everybody. I don't think there's a one formula way to do this, but I think everybody yeah, can do it. I think it's true. But what I've also found, and I think I, I push it a bit on purpose within the training or the classes that I do is to like, go there yourself. If you see what I mean, you go there and you express, you say this, but as long as it's real, then it opens the door. So I do a little exercise. I think we did it with the, you're jumping around and you're going to do a breath work. All of a sudden you're jumping around and you're moving. But then I'm like, okay, find a partner. And it's someone you don't know. And you speak for one minute to Bill, how you feel. But I really try and push people to express. And then they have to listen, 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 and vice versa. And soon, so many people, then they come in the circle, they don't want to share, but then someone said something. It's like, just like the meetings, you don't want to share, but in the last five minutes, everyone wants to speak. <laughs> because, you know, because Jane has said something in the corner. The, oh, God, I feel like that. But essentially, I was sitting here and I was judging everyone for 45 minutes because I'm not like you. It still happens even when you're like, you know, you're doing the step. And it's the same with these classes or like that empathetic witness. I like that a lot. Because if you can create a space where people feel they can talk about things, that's that's the key whether it's one-on-one whether it's walking down the street whether it's a specific class and i think that's one of my one of the things i really think is very 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 important to be as real as possible so other people can express themselves and you you use breath work right we we we're we're talking a lot (laughs) but but so i want to get the breath work in a little bit um, before we leave um so how do you get into breath work a little bit and what do you do with it how how do you use it okay so right now i just it's done so many sessions it's just something i do and um how do i use it i use it for people to really to make a change my my the the words I use in the business is change your energy, change your life. And I, I really believe it. I need to do it more, trust me. But it's it's physically changing. So we talked about this as well in the past call about somatic. Just changing the body will definitely change how you feel. I'm walking around today or the other day just a bit groggy or something. I'm very lucky. Usually it's just half a day with me. Breathing for me and then with other people, fast or rapid or slow and calm, changing it. Within five minutes, you just open. If you go into a deeper session, you've really released a lot of crap. Like specifically these mornings, I'm jumping around like a weirdo just for a few minutes, just to shake out all the dead energy in the body because I truly believe we're far more than we than this. <laughs> You're like, you know, well, around us is all the we're just energy. We could go into it more and more about the spirit, what it is, what it means. I think we've been here for a long, long time, and we just go into this physical thing with an ego and a machine up here. So hang on, I'm drifting now. But we could go on for that could be another one. But let's go back to do what. But I just believe in those things. And then it relates a lot to how changing the, the physiology of the body will definitely change the way we'll think. And we can. It's Tony Robbins be in a beauty, beautiful state all the time. But if you don't believe that, you're not going to be. So you've got to trick the mind. you got to say, I am. I might be doing something later where I'm really, I've got to do it. I get frustrated. But I say, no, I, well, I'm going to like doing this. You've lost all of those things that you wanted. And they've all gone in two minutes. And the phone has told you. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a beautiful state. Someone else could look out that window and see beautiful day. Someone else can look out the window and be totally pissed off. So you've got to be able to change it. And the breath work helps that a lot. Back to why and how 
So back to then, my sponsor mentioned Wim Hof. Wim Hof is like the catalyst for so many people because he's a character. You can believe him. I just liked him. He seems authentic. And I cannot be into anything where someone is like holier than thou or you've got to be special to try this special technique. It's rubbish. Everything is available to everyone all the time, you know? Take off the hat and just be real. Anyway, Wim Hof got me into it. It was Wim Hof and Tony Robbins in the same months where, what year we, you know, three and a half years ago. I went to a Tony Robbins event. I just, I could feel it. I like him. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I like what he says, man. There's a lot of good stuff that he's got from everyone. That's another thing. Nothing is new. Nothing is like brand new and real. This new technique is, bit, no, this new technique has got a label on it. Great, because you can buy it because you have to pay for things in the West. That's that's all. And it's been put together, very nice. But um, he comes from all different angles. And I liked it a lot. And I had this idea with working online. I knew I needed to do something with people. I was thinking acting, maybe. I don't know. I never wanted to do that as a career properly. Then in the same month, we went to a live Wim Hof in Barcelona. Didn't want to go, but I bought the ticket. And I was pissed off and it was humid. How dare it be humid? And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, just one of those days, you know? And Barcelona, then, so humid. Like, that's weird. <laughs> humid in April. How dare it? Yeah. Now, now I'm in Bali and Thailand. It's like everything's normal. But then, so I went there and we're doing it. And I could see it was okay. But it didn't look very professional the way everything's happening. I've just been to Tony Robbins. And it's like, boom, it's just on it. Anyway, I'm there. And Wim comes on doing his thing. And he's great. And then we do the breathing. And it's just full on. But because you were 200 people, because you're being pushed to go further, you really go further. And I was a bit of stress and tension in the body. That was gone, man. 25, 30 minutes of breathing with 200 people and breathing heavy. I was like, ah, crying and releasing. I'm like, oh, my God, I loved it. So I got up, gave me a mate a big hug who I was with, and I jumped straight to the front of the stage because there were several things happened. I'm like, I can do what you're doing. I just felt it. It can help people. I know it because I can feel it in my body and I could see it as a business as well. And I knew it could be a good business. It just all clicked and I was like, I can do that. Well, to straight to the front of the stage and a bit of my confidence or ego, whatever, it was like, yeah, I can do it better than what I've just seen as well. I know I can do this. So that's where I met Niraj, who does SOMA. Very, very similar to Wim Hof. It's kind of based on it, to be honest, but he's definitely added a lot to it, in my opinion, as well. And the Wim Hof is like some people in Wim Hof think it's the most special thing in the world. I don't. It's from an old Tumo thing and a bit of yoga and all this. But again, put together, there it is, try it. And the beauty of the phones and YouTube, you can. But doing it live was different. I went to be a Wim Hof instructor and a Soma instructor. Went a bit more towards the Soma way, but then just found that I wanted to do things in my own way, in my own style, and wasn't heavily into the business that they are, those. I wanted to do my little way. And so that's what I'm doing now, and I've been doing that ever since. But it's a huge catalyst, those things. What do you want to do with your life with Tony Robbins and Wim Hof, like blowing me away? And then just on a path, and here I am. Luckily, I decided to travel the world, been 17 countries doing sessions all over the world. It's the same thing whether in Iceland, whether in Liverpool, whether in Barcelona, it's just, you know, people. So I did that all over the place with this energy and it seems to fit me with this like energetic connection. And that's it really. Uh, here I am talking to you, I'm sitting in Bali. 
doing amazing yeah. work. But what I like about your sessions is that you also put music and dance and movement and you start with that just to loosen up people and get them a little bit like relaxed. And then you start with the breathing work, right? Yeah, that's it. Because again, I found I, it's where do you come from? What, what What's comfortable with you? What do you like doing? So I did start off where I'd learned the Wim Hof and then the Soma. And again, it's similar, but Soma adds more to it. But then he wanted to just talk about the science and the history of Soma which he's just essentially made up from an old story. Not, I'm not going against it. I'm just like, I didn't feel it. So I was re- talking those things and I stopped doing that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, and then I thought I want the action. Like I mentioned with the Tony and moving around, that's what he does. It's a basic principle. Otherwise we forget things, helps people connect. And every time I do, I just did loads of sessions at the beginning. I added new stuff all the time. What works, what doesn't work, ask people. And to me, it's got to be about connection. So yeah, let's throw in loads of music. Let's throw in loads of weird exercises and just get a connection then go into a meditation, which is the breathing, which makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big, long meditation. It can be quite quick or it can be long, whatever. But that's I find that combination um, really, really good. And that's what pretty much Soma uses as well in their one-hour um, energized meditation routine, but it's changed it a bit. Um, but it's that principle, get them active, moving around, and then go into a deep meditation. I, I like that. And for someone that is doesn't have access to these, although everything now is on the internet, so they can, what is a way to begin? What is the simplest way to add breath work to your life? There is a gap you need to find between what comes to you and your reaction. Once you can be the observer and see that gap, which whatever tool you have, whether it's moving, dancing, breathing, through conscious work, it helps you see life in a different way. So how yeah. to start to get like a bigger gap between what comes and your reactions? I would say you can use the breath. I do these on the YouTube channel in one minute tools. But what YouTube is there, everyone's got access to that one. Just start fishing around and see what you find because my style won't be for someone and someone else loves it and vice versa. But when you discover the, the breathing, like I did it, I was on the beach yesterday and coming back took like an hour or so on the motorbike. And I don't actually advise doing any of these things on the motorbike, but I do know what I'm doing. I'm just playing with the breath. I know don't, don't do it on a bike <laughs> playing with the breath uh, in different ways. Let's, let's say I was walking down the road and you're pissed off, but playing with the breath, you can do it fast. You can do it slow, but just find stuff on YouTube. And it's not, well, another one of my mottos is you don't have to understand it. You just have to feel it. So I got into transcendental meditation because of David Lynch, because of the character, and Wim Hof because of the character. But I felt it. I did TM and I just liked it. It's only a mantra. Again, that's like a label, but it's just a mantra. But you do it, you learn how to do it. And I felt it. Same with the breathing. I felt it. That's what I like about the breath. There's your meditation. It's hard for people to get into meditation on a general, general basis. And it mystifies people. <gasps> I have to go to an hour class and be a yogi. No, 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 no. It, literally in minutes. But YouTube is probably a good place to dive in to the different styles and just play around with your breath. Understand that you're probably stressing yourself even more by breathing (laughs) with the mouth, you know, try and breathe through the nose, a bit deeper into your belly, things like that. If you want to mix it with like what you do, do some dancing or movement. This is what I do in the morning. It's like 10 minutes. I jump around like a weirdo, get stuff out. I breathe deeply and heavily. And then I do some press ups without breathing all the air is out. So what happens there? You get that reaction in the body, but you get it quick. I don't really want to sit and meditate for an hour. So I've created a lot of tools from one to five to 10 minutes. And the next thing I'm releasing is like a meditation, breath work for 10 and 20 minutes. 
but 20 minutes going to blow your mind off because people don't have a lot of time. It's just the way things are. Yeah. But I would start with YouTube and then feel it. I would not do any of this if I didn't feel it. So just play around and see what it does for you. And the breath work is simple in the sense of like changing the way you breathe, nose to the belly, out through the mouth, close your eyes, think of something you want, think of something you like, think of a little moment that's good. And people find it hard to do that, but it's so simple because the rest of the time we'll be like, I've got to make that note. I've got to go there. I've got to drink another coffee. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to earn that money. And then breathe you're not breathing. <laughs> yeah. And you're not breathing and you're stressed. Yeah. And like it's stress, it, it, it's it's a terrible, like the breathing can create a bit of stress, but I like that with the techniques I use because you create it in the body for a second and then you release. But you have control when you use your breath. That's why I like it. It's like the immediate switch. You've got it. Yeah. And I will say here like a little caution warning for all the young, young, young kids not to play, I think, to find people that know what they're doing to learn from and not just play games with their breath because I've heard things that are not so happy <laughs> ending. So in that sense, yeah, get, get someone who knows what they're doing. That's basically what yeah, I Yeah, get someone who knows what they're doing or rather you just trust and you believe in and if you're going to be playing around, you definitely don't, don't do it on the bike and stuff like that. I genuinely <laughs> have an idea of what I'm doing. Was just because I was so bored. I was like, I was trying, but just anyway, you can change your state in a minute and I'll plug it. But like Infinite Breath on YouTube, I've got a load of one minute videos. And I swear to God, the, the, about 12 of them, it'll teach you how to just play with the breath for a second or two, how to concentrate easier, how to focus on that thing, how to release stress, how to like basically calm the mind within a minute. But um, play around with it. But yeah, just do it in an environment where you're. You're comfortable, you're sitting down, you'll be fine, you know. But again, it is also some people, everyone's physiology is different. I've never had a problem, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm a doctor or anything. So you have to be slightly cautious, yeah, on how far you take it. Like the Wim Hof, because he says, breathe in the nose or the yeah. mouth. Yeah. If you do breathe in the mouth heavily and you're following, you're really going for it and you're holding your breath as long as you can, it's dangerous. It can be. If you know what you're doing, you know when to stop and start, but if you're not particularly well, it can cause problems. Yeah, I will. I will keep on talking for a long time. But I think we need to leave it's it here. What about, I, think... okay, I want to ask you. I want to ask you. What about the spirit? Now, I mentioned before about the spirit. I don't know what you think about this, but like I'm thinking about it more and more. I was on a, on the boat the other day, and there's a little family going past me. And there's the baby and the dad and the mom and Bali all on the moto, no helmets or nothing. And I'm looking at this kid and I'm like. This is not just a new life in this kid. It's just being, all right, physically it's being created. But what's behind it? What's behind it? What's behind it? What's behind the ability to make these hands? What's behind the ability for cats to know how to be a cat? Do you know what I mean? What is the spirit? What is that thing that transcends and goes around behind us all? What's your theory on that? Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you have another hour? <laughs> you know i i believe there is something called life which is um and i'm gonna not gonna summarize here like all my spiritual beliefs but there is something called life which is wiser than what we think we are like there's because you you are not telling your heart to be you you don't know how it works and it is working so there is life with capital letters which understands some things that we don't and that is functioning, that makes a cat a cat, that makes a tree a tree, and that is making the world go around in this universe. And for me, we're all connected. And I don't have like an explanation from anything. I have beliefs 
for for many things and i have I've had experiences, I've had many uh, families uh, go away, die, and, and, and I feel the connection still, and I feel their words, mm -hmm. and I feel without being, you know, without channeling or anything, which means we are all connected. And if COVID has not shown that, then people are blind. We are connected. If anything that happens in one part is affecting everybody. But how exactly it is, I don't know. I know that I feel... Uh, in sense of channeling or connecting, I feel there is like ancestries and things that have happened before, which are affecting us now, which some people are healing, some people are not. So there is a huge connection between everybody that is here, everybody that is not here, that is not here, and everybody that has been here for ages. And religions are for me part of the culture. Because if I was born in India, then I would believe something different than if I was born here. Then there is, for me, religion is an expression, a human expression of something that we don't understand. And everybody expresses it different. So we are all spirituals. Whoever says, I'm not spiritual, well, you can say you're not human. I mean, we're human and spiritual. That just goes along. Religion is a different thing for me. It's a cultural thing. And it's a, a right thing when it's unifying and making you a better person, when it's making you against or, or going against someone, then something is wrong in your religion beliefs. When it makes you more um, empathetic and loving and caring in a true way, where there's no like black and white, yellow and red, you know, then that religion for you is great. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, we're all spiritual. And when you see a being come for me, each of those beings are spirits that already have contracted. They have decided to come here to practice something. And you may find out, you may not, but for me, there's no coincidences. Like some people you see, they go through traumas and traumas and traumas. And they are like close to you. And you're thinking, why are they going through that? And I'm going through this. You know, I think really my spirit decided that in this life, they wanted to practice this. And so I always say, like, okay, learn the lesson fast. <laughs> we don't have to practice more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's that's what we're here to practice and experience, and 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 the emotions is a big part of it because otherwise we would not be humans. We would be a plant or something else, you know. Totally. So if we totally. choose to come as humans, we have to experience the emotions, and and that's the thing, like you were mentioning before, that a lot of people shy away because sometimes they're not easy i'm not saying good or bad because i don't think there is bad there's just some some emotions are more intense and they're not easy to handle but as more you handle them and, and live through them that's life that's our life that's our choice to come as humans here and that's part of what the spirit wanted to experience so we should you know embrace that and um that's i don't know if that answers your question but that's kind of my view no, I don't think, yeah, no, that's what I want to know because it's funny. I've done doing a few podcasts myself, and then it's just interesting what you think, but there's no right or wrong answer there, you know. It's um and I don't I don't have an answer. It's a weird one. No, I like it, I like it a lot, and I probably agree um to a point, but I think also people are wound up on agreeing or not agreeing. I, I could just feel what you're saying, but it's funny because I think yeah, it was last night. My god, oh shit, today's full moon, and the sun went down. 
and then literally turned around, didn't even think, and then boom, the moon was coming up. Amazing, but I was swimming in the sea. And I talk about ancestors and spirit. And uh, just a good moment. I was genuinely tired. And it was something different about volcanic fucking sand in the sea. And I was like, it was beautiful. I was swimming, energized. And I'm like, to me, I usually go to my mum or Betty, my cat. I mean, 14 years together. We were like, and I feel it. I feel the spirit. And the same with my grandma, my granddad, like you mentioned. I don't feel like my grandma and granddad have gone. Because mm. I didn't see them every day, but we spent a lot of time there. But if I want to imagine them there, they're just there giving me advice. Like my mum's around or the cat, if I want to, it's a spiritual thing. And it doesn't have to be too much. And what's before them, before them, before them, I don't know. But I believe both in the individual and us in this thing and these things. And then everything before and what is coming or everything that's still around. Without being too weird about it. But yesterday on the beach, I was like... Because you talk about um, practice and a lot of people mention healing. And I've been told I've come in to heal this, this and this, mainly to do with the emotions and stuff and the relationships. And it's always a pain for me. I'm like, fuck, has it got to still heal this? Or, but I don't worry about it so much anymore. It's not like I should do this, I should do that. No, man, let's just let it happen. And that's what I was thinking yesterday. Um, like whatever will be, will be, let it happen. No, that was it. The moon, I was like, just open, uh, open the door, show me. Cause the last full moon was when I was doing a session and then I came out on my balcony in Thailand and it was insanely beautiful. And I looked at the clock and I knew it was exactly 148. It was the full moon. It had that ring around it in the cloud all the way. And it was pointing towards me, looking at me, of course me, but it was, I was like, Oh, 10, 15 minutes looking at it. And I was pointing towards Bali because I was heading there. But that day I got the visa. Then something else happened with the flat. The mate was like, can you get over there soon? And tick, 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 tick. It's a sign. And this woman who I know, she says, Greg, it's a portal. Go through. It's a portal. So I did. And it's it, loads has happened since. And again, it's not like, oh, my God, my little life is. No, just things have happened. And I seem to be accepting it. Go to it. Walk through it. Because what else is there to do? What else is it to do? I'll be able to sleep later. That's fine. People are like, mm, if the door's open to, to death and light, would you walk through? I'm like, yeah, open the door. Loads of light. What's next? Let's go. But I was in the beach and I was like, yes, of course. Why feel bad or weird or strange with all these past people, even relationships and stuff? Luckily, I don't have any resentments anymore to any. No, I do. I do. That's a lie. I can still hit the mental thing <laughs> to the... No, but no to um to my ex-girlfriends. It's only when I'm in this thing that it's a problem, but the rest I don't. I feel them. And then again with my family and my grandparents and Betty and all these things, the cat, I was swimming in the sea and I was like, I will live life for you. I will live life for you. And to me, that makes sense. And it's not like, hey, me, me, me. No, it's like, I'll live life for you. Why not? Because right now I feel like living life every day to the fullest. And if I don't, I get... I do get frustrated. I've got a million things to do, but now I'm going to walk down the road and go have something to eat. And with technology, I can phone my dad by putting earplugs in when I'm walking. But I am going to live life. And I was saying, I'm alive, I'm alive. And it wasn't over the top. I just felt it. Do you know what I mean? And here's our final point on the spirit of people and everything. If you're going to be this way or whoever you are, you've got to say it, man. I used to be shy and that guilt and shame about, well, I'm, when I'm in the mode, in the moment, I'm really good and I feel it. Who am I as a person? I don't know. I don't care, but I'm pretty fucking good at things I do. Walking down the road, saying hello to someone. I'm really good at it. Do you know what I mean? Say it. <laughs> say it because you won't have a chance again. Oh, I'm not bad at cooking. I'm okay. You just cook the most amazing meal, blah, 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 blah. I get it with the coaches I'm trying to teach and they go, I don't have much confidence with such and such, but I did do a session the other day with 20 people. and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's go back to that. Didn't have confidence. Crap. It's bollocks. 
Yeah. But the mind will just repeat it. So I'm repeating, I'm good, I'm good, and I feed it. Not every good. day, not every minute, but you've got to say that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, with this, this is a good way to end this podcast, just to believe in yourself and say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm super enough, I'm more than enough. Yeah, that's something people should repeat themselves every single day and appreciate like all the things that we can do because everything is a miracle for me. Like when you think about it, you think you, you start to learn more about how the body functions And you think like, mm. how, how is it functioning with how many, you know, all the things that we do to the body? I'm thinking, wow, this is a miracle. Just the fact that it's still moving, you know, so. It's still moving, but talk quickly about the healing. It's like, again, so today, a bit of frustration on didn't really sleep too good or something. The lower back comes back and says, hey, you've got some emotional things in the back of your mind. So it tells you stuff as well. Yeah. I feel pretty good at my age, but there's definitely like, oh, you know, oh, it's telling you something Yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other stuff to be grateful for and thinking about things. Yes, these things are both a curse and a blessing, but look, I'm pretty much running a business through this and we're talking now on, yeah. Yeah, on this Apple. I mean, it is ridiculous. I came here 25 years ago. I had to have a load of coins, phone home, didn't have much money, blah, blah, blah. We can do anything. I'm walking around and I, I'm a Western. I come from the West. I've got that finance and that thinking in my mind. And the world is open to me, man, if I want it to be. It really yeah. is. But this yeah. technology helps a lot. So happy to have you here. And thank you so much, Greg, for all your wisdom and all your sharing and all your vulnerability, openness. I know that it will help a lot of people. Been good. And what we're going to do, I'm going to do um, a podcast with you soon. Sure. I've done a few already. Well, I'm going to do you because it's important because I've been there asking the questions but now you can answer the questions next time <laughs> sounds good I love the challenge let's do it okay. well, thank you thank you Greg for being here nice one thanks a lot